Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business podcast from the Business in Vancouver Newsroom and BIV.com. I'm Kirk LaPointe, Editor-in-Chief. We're approaching the 5G era in telecommunications, a wave of technology that stands to improve substantially our facility with the internet and across a range of business and consumer functions. How well is Canada prepared? What are some of the challenges we face, and for that matter, what the world faces? in introducing and capitalizing on the technology. My guest today is a leading analyst of mobile technology and its data. Ian Fogg is Vice President Analysis at OpenSignal. It's a mobile analytics firm. He's been at the leading edge of market analysis for nearly two decades. He joins us from London, England. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you. Listen, open our minds a little bit about 5G. We have pretty solid 4G. Um, what will 5G do that 4G can't? That's a good question. Um, Initially, what 5G is going to really help with is sidestep the congestion that many users experience on, say, 4G networks, where at busy times of the day, the millions of people using their smartphones at once are slowing speeds down. 5G will enable those users to sidestep that congestion because it will use new frequency bands that aren't being used today. What impact is there of this speed volatility? We see big differences between um, evening time, typically where speeds typically are much lower because everyone is using the network, and what a 4G network is technically capable of in the middle of the night where speeds are typically much higher. And that just shows quite the extent of um, the loading that's placed on, on networks there. Across 77 countries we've studied, we found that 4G download speeds are between 31 megabits per second and 5.8 megabits per second faster at night when everyone's asleep than they are at the busiest time of the day where everyone is using the network. Yeah. And, and so when you take a look at it's perhaps flattening out this volatility, what do you think it's also going to do in terms of stimulating the development of technology, of other technologies to use it? Well, the challenge today is that when we talk about the average speed that users have on their, their mobile phone network, is that just an average? There's a tremendous range of speed and latency and everything else that people have based on the time of day, but also perhaps where they are in the country. Are they in a city or are they in a rural area? And if you're building an app or a service, you're, you're streaming video to someone, you're enabling... Um, you know, audio podcast download, your browsing web page, people have to design that experience to work um, when the network isn't working so well. They have to design it for the worst experience that people might have during a typical day. So if we can improve that, if we can raise the overall experience people have, if we can reduce the latency of the network, improve those speeds, it means that we'll get higher quality video streams, just get more people um, streaming video, we'll have richer web pages, and we'll have a couple of new applications coming down um, where people build something that wasn't possible because the volatility on today's 4G network. Do you think 5G is going to be the, the kiss of death for television? We see already um, more and more people using their smartphone to watch video. Mm -hmm. all kinds of everything from a short clip on YouTube to a program on Netflix that they stream on their phone. Partly that's because the phone is something that people have with them all the time. Partly that's because the screen, the display of a smartphone has got bigger and higher quality. We see smartphones today with high, high 
dynamic range display, even 4K display. What holds it back today are two things. The price of mobile data in many places is still quite expensive and video uses a lot of data. But also the, um, the consistency of speed, which means that people might choose to download a TV program while they're at home through their home internet connection over Wi-Fi and then watch that on the move rather than having to stream it wherever they happen to be. They've got to think ahead effectively. It's almost equivalent now of setting the video recorder to record the program. If I'm going to be at home. I want a good connection. I'll download the TV program now that I can watch later. Yep. If you get good mobile network experience, you don't have to plan ahead. Someone can just go, I want to watch that TV program now, and the network could be good enough. Um, and that makes a tremendous difference. The other piece is, because 5G will um, open up many more spectrum bands, particularly high-frequency bands, there'll be a lot more capacity that the mobile network operators, the carriers, will have available. That greater supply should put downward pressure on the pricing of data. It doesn't mean people pay less per month. They'll probably pay very similar amounts. But the amount of data they have, and therefore the amount of videos someone could watch, will, will improve. We're, we're so far talking about the entertainment value of a lot of the data, but clearly the transmission of data for things like our healthcare, uh, for a lot of our services, would also benefit from you know, the, the better technology. What, what kind of implications do you think this has for the way we, we almost live our daily lives? Well, video, remember, is both a type of content and a genre. Genre is entertainment programming, TV programs, movies, whatever. But it's also a key way to communicate through video telephony. It might be um, a builder on a site using video to communicate back at base what the situation is on the ground and get advice. It might be um, someone in the emergency services, a first responder, who is communicating back to base what's happening and, and what needs to be done. Um, there are other things too, though. Um, one of the other improvements in, in, in 5G would be much lower latency, so much more responsive network, less delay when um, an application on your device requests something. And there are many applications that would benefit that low latency. Um, there are potential applications in industry and in industrial automation. Um, there are potential applications with autonomous vehicles and drones, potentially, where they can communicate reliably with a consistently low latency, a consistently responsive network. There are things that can be done that can't be done on a mobile network today. Um, so there's a range of things. Um, that could, could benefit or will benefit from 5G. Do you think we need 5G in order to feel um, a lot safer, a lot more secure with things like autonomous vehicles? That that, that, that broader network, greater sharing of data, the more trustworthiness of it is perhaps something that'll conquer some apprehension? I think there's a few things. I think um, we have to separate out what, what the experience of 5G will be when it first arrives this year in many countries and what the experience will be through the life of 5G. 5G will change a lot between the early launches will be this year and what will happen over the 10 or 20 year life of 5G. It will improve tremendously. Many of the applications around Internet of Things devices, autonomous driving, things that benefit from ultra low latency are things that the industry is still going through the standards on. There's more than one version of a 5G standard. What we'll see today is based on the initial version that we'll see this year. 
but over time we'll see new improvements to society standards that will enable new things. Autonomous vehicles are something where um, there are benefits from 5G connectivity, so vehicles can communicate between each other to coordinate, for example, overtaking or perhaps have a, a convoy of, um, of freight vehicles that collectively move together on a highway. But equally, an autonomous vehicle has to work all of the time, everywhere, whether or not there's a mobile network signal. So I think the potential is to be a, a support for autonomous vehicles. I don't think it's something where autonomous vehicles will require 5G networks. Mm -hmm. But again, this is something which is rather in the future now because the initial versions of 5G that have been rolled out in 2019 and 2020 are really focused on what the industry calls enhanced mobile broadband or fixed wireless. And those two basically mean better connectivity to smartphone users, enhanced mobile broadband, and in some cases, a way of delivering broadband connectivity to households using the wireless connection. Many of these other use cases, these other potential applications of 5G, are still being worked on and won't arrive for some years. Your firm looks at uh, 77 countries, um, 3 billion uh, transactions of some sort of data every day. Um, I, I want to find out where in the world uh, the leaders are in all of this. It depends how you consider leaders. We measure different parts of the mobile network experience. We measure other things like speed, 4G availability. We need to measure the, the video experience, how good networks are for delivering video. Mm -hmm. And we find there are differences in all of these metrics, um, both between individual carriers. A carrier might win on download speed, but not be as good on video experience as one of their competitors. Around the world, we see similar differences between countries. Um, Canada has remarkably consistent mobile networks um, compared to many countries, less variability between time of day. Yeah. Um, if we look at where the best experience is around the world, it's typically in countries like Norway or Singapore, or actually the Czech Republic in, in Central Europe does very well in many of our, our measures that we do our international benchmark. It depends on exactly what criteria you use, whether you're looking at the fastest network, the most consistent network, the network that has the best video experience. There are differences between different um, parts of the world. In North America, what's often striking is that Canadian results are often ahead of the U.S. Um, why, why do you think that is? Is it, is it just that we have, we have three... Three carriers that are, you know, fighting for the market share, or is it? Is there something about what we're doing that's a little different? I, I think that the structure of the market is a little bit different. I mean, video is a very good example where um, the U.S. carriers typically manage their video traffic um, with a very proactive approach um, because they know that the amount of video traffic otherwise would cause adverse effects on other parts of the mobile network experience of their users. Um, Canada, as I said, we see quite consistent time of day differences. Um, but there's a different dynamic in terms of the overall pricing, the competitive dynamics, the number of carriers in the market, the size of the country. Um, we see differences between cities often. Yeah. Um, so we published them just today, looking at the latency of the response across 
across 40 US cities. Um, you've tried to today because there's a big South by Southwest um, conference in Austin. And yeah. um, you think Austin, therefore, very digital center, um, very technology center, but it rates just 32nd out of 40 US cities oh, really? for yeah. latency experience. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, there are often quite big differences, even within a country, let alone between countries. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the global leadership, it's often markets in Asia. Um, we often get feedback from um, companies and organizations, government organizations in Singapore, that if you do one of our global rankings and Singapore is on top, we often get questions saying, why aren't we top? They're very, very keen to be the best. Um, interestingly, in Europe and in North America, we don't get quite the same feedback if Canada or the US or Germany or the UK isn't top. We don't get that kind of feedback. And I think that's a a different attitude to mobile networks in some countries than others. Yeah, we, we seem to accept good enough in a lot of ways, too. Um, l- last question to you, because um, I know you, you're pressed for some time today. Uh, how important is the concept of net neutrality to the development of 5G? How, how important do you think it'll be? I think decisions around net neutrality affect the environment in which carriers choose to invest. But it also affects the way other companies will benefit from 5G networks. If carriers have a good business case to invest in new technologies and spectrum infrastructure, they'll probably put more investment in. If net neutrality gives them assurances they will get the return on that big capital investment, that may be a good thing. But equally, if it's a media company or business, or someone that isn't a carrier, they may be concerned that they have a a level playing field and that their services or content or applications can compete equally with other companies on that 5G network. And if net neutrality decisions mean they don't get a level playing field, it could mean that not every part of the economy benefits from 5G network rollout. What's interesting, of course, is what we've come down to is you have to measure the real-world experience of new technologies. You can't just go, it's a new technology, it's going to be fantastic. You have to actually measure and say, is this technology giving a measurable improvement over what came before? If so, that's a good thing. It's good for the economy. It may be worth paying a bit more for. If there is no measurable improvement in the experience, then it's just another technology. Yeah, yeah. By the way, how how much farther along before there's 6G and 7G and 8G? Well, you know, to some extent, many of these things are marketing terms. I mean, I know there's a lot of um, um, hype in some parts of the world where people have talked about various people labeling things with different Gs. But, you know, from a mobile industry perspective, actually the mobile standards improve every couple of years. Right. Um, so what we have now as 4G is incredibly different the early 4G that launched back in 2009-10, because every couple of years there's a new 3GPP standard, a new version of the technology. So although every 10 years or so, the industry, the mobile industry goes, we're going to label this 5G or 4G or whatever, actually there's enormous improvements between that 10-year cycle, within that 10-year cycle. So to some extent, the term 5G is just a marketing thing. 
Yeah, there's there's 4.5G and 4.7G and that kind of thing. Ian, I want to thank you for your time today. It's been very, very useful and a great conversation. Thank you. Ian Fogg is the Vice President Analysis at OpenSignal. We've reached him today in London. And that's BIV Today for today. I'm Kirk LaPointe. Thanks a lot for listening. 